Welcome to the fourth episode of Subculture, a podcast series from KPLY Radio and Anthro Magazine from the Incubator Program at Palo Alto High School. In this series, we examine the internet's popular niches and aesthetics from their history and the reasons for their popularity to the more controversial aspects of their presence. In this episode, we take a look at thrifting, the online community which has developed around it, both on social media platforms and reselling platforms such as Depop, and the rise of the quote-unquote thrifted look in commercial fashion. First, let's jump into a brief history of American thrifting, and how thrifting was perceived throughout the past century or so. According to a 2018 article from Time magazine, thrifting is a product of the second industrial revolution and rapid urbanization of the late 19th century. Prior to this time, clothing was not an easily disposable item, as it took significant time and money to either create yourself or to have made for you. If a garment became worn, it was mended. The Industrial Revolution brought along with it the mass manufacturing of clothing, reducing both the quality and cost of clothing, resulting in clothing becoming another disposable item which could simply be gotten rid of. Simultaneously, a wave of immigration from Eastern and Southern Europe led to the development of a poorer urban class, one which could not often afford new clothing. Much of the early stigma around buying secondhand clothing was as rooted in anti-Semitism as it was in classism, as many of the first people to sell old clothing from across were poor Jewish immigrants whose employment options were also limited by anti-Semitism. In fact, buying secondhand clothes only gained a small degree of societal acceptance once Christian organizations, notably the Salvation Army and Goodwill, began to organize collection and selling operations around the turn of the 20th century. It was only around the 1920s and 30s that quote-unquote thrift stores, as we know them today, began to form, collecting donations directly from middle-class households as a means of charity. The Great Depression, of course, greatly increased the demand for cheap clothing. However, there was little to no supply for thrift stores, and the same was true during the Second World War. It was only during the post-war long boom that supply once again began to meet demand. It was also during the 1950s that more high-end consignment stores began to appear, catering to upper-class and middle-class clients. During the 1970s, thrifting also gained its association with environmentalism as an earth-friendly alternative to shopping at a department store. All the while, that old class of stigma around thrift stores remained, as the clientele was still primarily those who could not afford to buy their clothing new. However, beginning in the late 1980s and 90s, America's quote-unquote alt-teens, many of whom were in fact middle-class, began to shop at thrift stores for their clothing, leading to the development of the iconic ripped denim and flannel looks of the grunge scene, a rebellion against the conformist, carefully curated and overpriced items of the malls and department stores, which otherwise dominated the clothing industry. Henceforth, the alternate undercurrent and the young people who were a part of it were tied closely to thrift stores, adding another layer of stigma around shopping secondhand. It was particularly taboo during the opulent years of the late 90s and early 2000s, when the popular aesthetic was very much about exhibiting material wealth through pristine juicy couture sweatsuits and ridiculously large and excessively monogrammed Louis Vuitton purses. To thrift was to admit to a lack of money, which was considered a truly shameful thing. So, how did we get here? 
In a matter of about 20 years, thrifting has gone from a shameful, taboo thing done only by the eccentric or the poor to a standard weekend activity for teenagers of all classes. People now take a sense of pride in being able to say that they thrifted an item rather than purchasing it. They document their thrifting adventures on social media. According to a 2020 survey of American teenagers from Piper Sandler, a staggering 46% of upper-income teenagers had purchased secondhand clothing. It is difficult to precisely pinpoint when exactly the status of thrifting shifted in the American zeitgeist, or more importantly, why, but there are several possible factors which could have contributed to it. The first would be the 2008 recession. According again to an article from Time magazine, the recession caused the opening of many for-profit thrift stores as demand for cheaper garments grew due to the economic crisis. Additionally, stigma around thrifting was perhaps reduced slightly as the culture turned away from that previous desire for visual luxury given that such opulence would be considered tacky and tasteless in the face of such widespread economic hardship. With so many people in the same boat of needing to shop secondhand rather than at the mall, previous classist negative associations with thrifting could hardly be maintained as strongly, perhaps laying the groundwork for the thrifting boom about a decade or so later. Another factor, and one which we had mentioned in the previous Cottagecore episodes in the subculture series, is the 20-year trend cycle. The 20-year cycle is an observed trend in the aesthetics of certain decades, which finds that the aesthetics tend to recycle themselves about every 20 years. That would mean that now the aesthetics of the late 90s and early 2000s are now coming back en vogue, something which can definitely be observed on social media and in the renewed nostalgia for the early 2000s media, especially amongst Gen Z, who are very young children at the time. An interesting thing about the 20-year cycle is that it theoretically lines up to make thrift stores the perfect sources for these newly trendy, almost vintage items. The people who were young adults or teenagers during the early 2000s, millennials, have themselves largely moved on from their old clothing styles, switching out their old low-rise flares and baby tees for high-rise skinny jeans and standard t-shirts, and donating those old clothes to thrift stores, where the new generation is ready to purchase them. Of course, as fast fashion companies begin to catch on to the trends, they will inevitably create and sell new pieces in their own stores at for a much higher cost, a price some people are willing to pay to own something new or to be able to buy a piece specifically in their size, rather than gambling that a thrift store will carry something similar. This practice, the commodification of the so-called thrifted look, is most prominently done by companies such as Urban Outfitters or Brandy Melville to appeal to the younger generation. This is just one example of how thrifting has become a commodified practice, something which we will touch on more later. A third factor, one which, unlike the 20-year cycle, is something which is unique to Gen Z, is the rise of social media, specifically the rise of the thrifting influencer and the exposure of artistic, often fashion-forward countercultures to a much wider audience. As mentioned previously, one of the primary groups to shop at thrift stores were young people involved in the punk and alternative scenes, a practice which began in the 80s and 90s and extended even into the 21st century. Without social media and without the general media and fashion industry pushing alternate fashion, these styles, which were born out of thrifted items, generally remained contained to their communities, manifesting only in the mainstream through alternative celebrities or designers, such as Kurt Cobain or the designer Vivian Westwood, whose pieces have experienced a recent resurgence in popularity. Additionally, fashion inspiration generally only came exclusively from corporate magazines 
or the department store itself, creating a rather narrow view of what was quote-unquote in and what was quote-unquote out. Now, thanks to social media, those who are part of the punk or alternative scenes have now have the opportunity to show their fashion to a much wider audience, along with the fact that many of their pieces are thrifted and fashion inspiration comes from a much broader source. Apart from those in the punk and alternative scenes, thrifting has been adopted by other groups of young people as well and has given rise to what I like to call thrifting influencers. The most prominent of these would certainly be Emma Chamberlain, a Bay Area girl who began to vlog her life and her thrifting habits in around 2017 and began to gain a massive following on YouTube and Instagram in around 2018. She has now over 12.6 million followers on Instagram and greatly popularized thrifting as a means of finding cute, affordable clothes. Another more recent star to burst onto the thrifting influencer scene is Ashley from the YouTube channel Best Dressed. Documenting her life as a young woman living in New York, Ashley frequently uses thrift stores as a source for her simple yet elegant wardrobe and has amassed over 1.1 million followers on Instagram. The rise of these fashion influencers who have centered thrifting as a major source for their outfits has certainly contributed to the rapid growth of thrifting's popularity amongst young people. Another reason why thrifting is on the rise is much more practical. It's sustainable. Out of all the generations, Gen Z is the most concerned about climate change, mostly because the consequences of it will be materialized in our lifetimes. And with fast fashion companies creating greenhouse gases faster than Gen Z makes trends, it's no wonder many don't want to support big brands. Thus, our generation of young environmentalists thrift to have the best of both worlds, both trendy and ethical. And while we can explain and theorize away on why teens love thrifting, we can also simply ask. Here we have a conversation between a self-proclaimed teen thrifter and us co-hosts, as we ourselves have been avid thrifters for years. Along with discussing what we love about thrifting and why we started, we also go into the issues and concerns that we have about the recent rise in popularity, from the commodification of the thrifted look to the emergence of so-called depop resellers, people who thrift only with the intent of selling those purchases on the popular reselling site, Depop. Hi, I'm Marissa Ye, an 11th grader at Pali. So the first thing, I thought we could all go around and be like, and like talk about why we first started thrifting. The first time I went thrifting was in eighth grade and I went with, um, I went because my older sister, so she was a senior in high school. Um, she saw that I was having a fashion crisis basically and dragged me to the thrift store because she had she's been thrifting for like a really long time she was very much like in like the alternative like kind of punk scene in the bay area and so she went thrifting all the time like for most of her clothes by senior year and we went and i bought my first pair of these giant black skater jeans and the rest (laughs) is history I mean, for me, it was very different because I've sort of always thrifted clothes um, because growing up, my mom either made me take my old friend's clothes, go thrifting, or would take me to Old Navy when they had 50% off all our children's clothes for clearance. So yeah, I kind of just thrifted for most of my clothes, except when I got into middle school. I started wanting to have newer clothes because I didn't like the idea of wearing someone else's clothes. But then after I realized how expensive new clothes actually were, I went back to thrifting. My story is pretty similar to Marissa's. My mom, she either bought clothes from Costco 
or she, I had my friend's clothes, or since I'm the older sister, I would have to be thrifted. My clothes have to be thrifted more often than my sister's because my sister's was just like my old clothes. So um, for a long time, like I think up until like maybe sixth or seventh grade, all of my clothes were from either Costco or from Goodwills. And I didn't really care about my look till um, like high school or eighth grade. And I was like, wait, I look like walking human garbage. <laughs> I need to fix myself. So then I tried like going to the mall and stuff. I would say that I never really saw thrifting as a fun thing until high school because then all of my friends were like, let's go thrifting together. And I'm like, okay, like, all right. When I did it, I was garbage, but you can try. And for some reason, everyone succeeded. So then I <laughs> just, just go with friends. It's more of a social thing for me. I've kind of always been lucky enough I guess to always have thrifting be like a like fun thing to do like with my sister or with my friends and it's just it's always kind of been like a social activity for me I guess eight when I was in eighth grade like I was I kind of like I kind of was starting to care about fashion and like dressing. <laughs> I wasn't exactly like a skinny kid, you know what I mean? I wanted to start dressing more like my sister, which is like at the time it was very much the big pant little shirt thing. And like, if you went to the store, the things that they were selling were like mom jeans or like straight leg. And like on my body type, it just like, they just didn't fit right. Cause I have like bigger legs. <laughs> And it just like did not fit right. It was, and if they did fit right, they were like $100 and I didn't want to pay that much. But I feel like in the thrift store, in a way it was, or like having to like go a size up, like it was just like the little things that I was like, mm, like I just, it made me feel bad about myself. And so I feel like in the thrift store, like things are kind of divided by size, but like not more like free range it's kind of more free range right and like you're not I don't know if it's just me but I feel like when I go there like I'm not necessarily like like you can kind of like most of my pants I got from the men's section which is something I never did in the department store and like malls or whatever because they were so divided from one another versus in the thrift store they're like right next to each other and like sizing was just like not that big of deal in thrift stores it's like you would take something and just like see if it fit and if it didn't like oh well there are like other pieces or like you can give it to your friend it's not as much pressure or like emphasis on it and I really liked that as a little insecure 14 year old and I mean I feel like one of the appeals of thrift stores too is just like it has so much variety because it's not limited to like one brand like a regular department store it's just like every person and every type of style that you can like find and even if it's not your size it's just fun like looking at some of the clothes that they have too the pot like what do we think in general the positive aspects of thrifting are like not necessarily for us personally but just like in general just you know most of the clothes are cheaper than they are in traditional department stores um like i said before it's kind of a variety of styles like you can kind of find anything and then like environmental impact too of using secondhand clothes instead of buying whole new clothes and contributing to the fast fashion industry type thing yeah that's a big one for like me personally is that I think that like I think it's a really good thing that like 
thrifting it's almost kind of like how tesla i think it's a good thing that like teslas became the new luxury car because it's like the thing that's becoming cool is actually like better for the environment but like Mm -hmm. at the same time something i'm noticing is that the way that thrifting like you know how brands like urban outfitters and like and like brandy mobile will like kind of copy like the thrifted look you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like they'll mod they'll kind of like mimic what girls who thrift or like people who thrift are wearing and then selling it it's kind of like so thrifting in a way is contributing to fast fashion but not in like a direct way um so like how do we all feel about depop resellers and like and like depop i guess in general as an entity because i feel like that along with like these fast fashion brands like they both kind of contribute to the commodification of thrifting in a way which is like kind of a weird thing to say because like thrifting is a commodity in a way but like in a way it's become like a source for further commodification like I don't know how to describe it I think I think originally Depop is not a bad thing it's literally just thrifting but online and also with an Instagram format and I know that there are some people who are like fashion influencers who buy something, wear it three times and immediately sell, but they're always buying and selling with, among each other on Depop. So it's kind of like a loop of stuff. So like, I kind of understand the why you would want Depop um, and like the appeal of it. However, um, of course, with most things on the internet, it can be corrupted. So and ends up with lots of people just, well, I mean, it is, you're supposed to try and turn a profit from Depop in the first place, but it's gotten to the point where it's a little ridiculous that people will be buying $50 boots, for example, and then reselling it on Depop for 150 even if they've already worn it, which you could say that is the consumer's fault for buying it, but then that's kind of a bad move for you to do in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I use Depop. I haven't sold anything. I've been meaning to sell some stuff because there are a few clothes like either I've just grown out of but they're like more high-end type of things because I think it's really important like when you're thrifting to give back clothes and like circulate it back in the thrift stores but the thing is like sometimes I have just like clothes that my friends just leave with me and they don't want anymore that are like almost brand new you know and you know who doesn't like money I think it's it's poss- it's definitely possible to like be a depop seller and like do it ethically. I, again, I think the issue just comes with like, I guess kind of like the overconsumption of like per- like over purchasing in thrift stores with the expressed purpose mm-hmm. to of profit of motive. profit and of reselling yeah. it because like ultimately that clothing could be going to someone who genuinely like right couldn't afford basically to buy it from your depop <laughs> basically you should not try to make a living off reselling things on depop unless yeah. you like especially yeah. if you're like already i feel like a lot of the i mean i don't want to make any assumption but i feel like a lot of the girls i see like who are depop resellers tend to be kind of these like i guess my demographics like middle class white girls yeah who, like, and like probably even- don't need to be reselling on depop because like ultimately like it is like an easy way to make money like going to the thrift store is not that much effort to me it's like I feel like it's a really 
good it like it's obviously like a good thing that people are like I don't just shopping more sustainably right but like I feel like again that issue the issue kind of comes up with thrifting like once that like sustainability and that shopping comes at the expense or like at the exploitation of like other people because like there are people I recognize that like me going to a thrift store like I don't need to shop at thrift stores like I could afford theoretically to buy from like and I do occasionally buy from like new sources but some people like thrifted you know because of like necessity obviously so like again I kind of back to like kind of what Marissa says so like I feel like it's really important to like like every time I go thrifting I try to donate like at least a couple things just because like I want to try to contribute to a more like to like continue that ethical cycle of like donation and purchasing. I also um Olga said something about the commodification of thrifting and stuff and I think that's mostly like personally like how I see it is that it's mostly the effects of social media and like trend acceleration that leads to fast fashion wanting to recreate these looks because they're like they see a demand so they're like we're gonna go make it but then of course fast fashion there's lots of ethical um things behind it but basically i think the overproduction of these quote-unquote thrifted look clothes is more so from the popularity of it and the trend of it um I, I don't know how to finish this. It's like it's just like internet in general making things super popular in short bursts of time and very popular, I think, um, is one of the reasons why thrifting could become overcommodified. Yeah, totally. Although to be honest, like I would say I've heard some people express concerns about like if too many people start thrifting, like there aren't going to be enough clothes for like people who need it. Personally, I don't necessarily see that becoming an issue considering how many clothes there are in the world to be donated. Like, especially if people keep donating their old clothes to it, I just don't necessarily mm-hmm. see it becoming an issue. I think the issue is more just like, I think that there can be an issue if you're like wealthy and going in there and you're buying things like winter coats or like, and I feel like I don't know Marissa I've always had this experience where there's kind of this like unspoken rules of thrifting in a way Mm -hmm. it's like you don't buy winter coats you don't buy like sneakers usually or like comfortable shoes and you don't buy like clothes that are like way too big for you yeah yeah I I remember actually yeah I learned that last rule because one time I bought this like oversized slip dress and then my sister who's bigger than me who was was like you don't do that because like it's hard it's hard for people who are like bigger to buy to find their sizes to find their sizes even in like normal stores so like it's important that you leave it for those people and that's actually an issue I do see on social media sometimes is like especially girls they'll buy these like big dresses or whatever and then they'll like how to like fit it to your waist and like things yeah. like especially jeans also and it's like that's kind of an issue but yeah I feel like the thing about like thrifting is that most people like who rely on their stores don't really care if you buy like a shirt this is like world's best grandpa like size extra small yeah. or some stuff like that yeah. like it's just important to leave you know comfortable shoes 
uh, winter coats especially, and like work boots if you find them, things like that, that are most important. Thank you for listening to this episode of Subculture. For more podcasts from KPLY, check out our SoundCloud or Spotify at KPLY Pally Radio. A special thank you to those interviewed and to Megatracks for providing music. This episode was edited by me, Olga Muse, with additional research and scripting from Michaela Sia. An additional special thank you to Michaela, who has worked tirelessly with me to make subculture a reality. I and the rest of the incubator will miss you as you go off to college. This has been Olga Muse and Michaela Sia for KPLY.